Hello, welcome to Head in the Cloud. I'm your host, John Svalzik. This is episode three for 2017. For today, we're going to be continuing on with the CIS AWS Foundations Benchmark Review. So in the last podcast, we covered section one, the identity and access management uh, section. And in this podcast, we're going to take on the remaining sections. So there's uh, three more sections, two through four. So with, uh, without any further ado, let's let's get started. So section two is all about logging. Now, this is specific to AWS and its services. This is not logging about your application or OS level uh, logging that you would have. So just keep that in mind that this is, again, aimed at the infrastructure, not necessarily um, the lower levels of that infrastructure at the operating system or application. So you still want to do that. So the first item in section two for logging is to enable CloudTrail in all regions. And this is essentially your, for those unfamiliar with CloudTrail, this is your log everything system for anything related to AWS API calls. Now that will cover API calls made through the web interface, the command line interface, as well as any API access to those APIs to manipulate the Amazon infrastructure. And it is important to select all regions. You can be specific and say, just pick this particular region, and you may be tempted to do that. However, if someone happens to gain access to one of your accounts, they may spin up servers in a different region that you don't have any visibility to because you, you don't plan on using it. There's no extra cost as far as I'm aware, that might be an incorrect statement, but at the end of the day, even if there is a bit of an extra cost for monitoring all regions, it's still better to do that as opposed to just fixating on a couple, uh, especially if you're going to get yourself a fairly large uh, bill later on. It's just definitely worth adding that extra bit of uh, auditing data and having that available to you. So this is also going to really save your butt if you ever have to go and look into a forensic investigation in terms of what happened, what's the root cause, uh, how did you ever get attacked, how did they, what did they do, where did they do it, what was the credentials that they were doing, what were they trying to set up, all that sort of stuff. So CloudTrail is definitely invaluable in that regard. Second point in section two uh, second item is ensure CloudTrail log file validation is enabled. And with CloudTrail, it, they can actually add digital signatures to all the log events uh, that they're going to, that they, Amazon, is going to generate. So you'll be able to keep track of any modifications or deletions to the logs after the CloudTrail has sent those logs off to S3. Right. So again, this is just, um, this, I know that some compliance frameworks require as well as some uh, some of your bigger customers uh, may have requirements to say, well, how do you know that you're maintaining integrity of those logs? And likewise, if there's ever a uh, lawsuit or any sort of formal criminal investigation, you want to ensure the integrity of the logs that you have so that they can't be dismissed as being potentially tampered with. So enabling that log file validation is important for CloudTrail. Item number three, 
is ensure the S3 bucket that CloudTrail logs are being written to is not publicly accessible. So this should go without saying, but you shouldn't make sensitive pu uh, buckets publicly accessible ever, right? Obviously, uh, the last thing you want to do is make that available. Even if it's read-only, you could be leaking all sorts of sensitive information in terms of um, what your infrastructure looks like. And, you know, for those hackers and other criminal uh, elements and organizations, they would love to get this, uh, get this information and help in their, in their investigation and their uh, footprinting of your infrastructure and, and everything else. So definitely make sure that those are restricted. Point number four, ensure CloudTrail tra uh, trails are integrated with CloudWatch logs. So CloudWatch logs is not the same thing as CloudWatch. CloudWatch logs is Amazon's sort of centralized logging solution. Very, very basic. Uh, however, it does give you a, the ability to uh, search on those logs, alert on certain things in logs uh, as it manages to find various things. So having CloudTrail integrated with CloudWatch logs gives you a nice, easy way to search and alert on specific CloudTrail activity. And this is actually a precursor for a bunch of other items that will come further in this uh, in this section, uh, as well as within this benchmark as a whole, because there are certain events that you do want to alert on. And having that integration uh, will just make, well, first, we'll make it possible. And secondly, we'll just make it that much better. Point number five. Uh, the fifth item in section two is ensure AWS config is also enabled in all regions. Now, AWS config is somewhat more recent. It's not, hasn't been around all that long compared to some of the other um, items that Amazon has. So AWS config will offer you uh, kind of a change history, a change log of configuration changes and updates and modifications to the AWS infrastructure. Uh, you can audit those changes uh, and use those, basically use these change sets for security compliance and resource change tracking. So a variety of, of reasons and very similar to why we want to do this in uh, why we want to have CloudTrail enabled in all regions. You can say the same thing for AWS config as well. So you definitely want to have that turned on everywhere. Point number six ensure s3 bucket access logging is enabled on the cloud trail s3 bucket so s3 is really really interesting it's kind of the backbone i think it was i could be wrong here but i believe that it was actually the first amazon service that amazon put together and kind of built everything else on it and it's very simple but very very powerful and one of the nice features it has is the ability to actually enable access logging you can actually log anyone accessing any of those buckets um, any objects in those buckets as well now obviously you would put those logs in another bucket which kind of you know can make for an interesting uh recursive uh procedure you never end um but when it comes to sensitive buckets, especially things like CloudTrail or even I would even say some of the uh, Amazon config logging, 
um, having the ability to keep track of who's accessing that information and keeping track of that is definitely something you want to do again just to ensure the integrity of your uh, logs as well as ensuring that you know you don't have prying eyes that you weren't expecting so that's uh, it's definitely something you want to keep uh, keep and keep track of and something you want to do gives you that nice paper trail okay point number seven ensure CloudTrail logs are encrypted at rest using KMS CMKs so KMS is the key management system and this is used for encryption so Amazon allows you to have uh, they have the dedicated service just for key management um, very for those familiar with encryption and uh, public key encryption and using keys for for you know, encrypting and decrypting data, uh, Amazon will, will gladly help you hold the keys and whatnot. Uh, CMKs uh, stands for, it's an acronym for Customer Managed Keys. So essentially what this, this point here is uh, talking about, this is uh, point seven in section two, is that you want to encrypt the logs, but use your own keys. So you can let Amazon use their own default keys, which they'll rotate and everything else. But if you really want to make sure that no one is going to be messing with your logs, no one's going to be decrypting data they shouldn't have, um, you should manage your own keys and let that uh, do that work. I believe that even in KMS, if someone asks Amazon to provide them access to the private keys, well, Amazon's just like, I can't, we can't do that. Um, it's just not something that they can do. So definitely look at using your own uh, client managed keys, especially if you're really concerned about this and just in general, good practice. I mean, it's definitely one that's, uh, it's a bit more effort, but it may pay off uh, further on down the line. And I mean, obviously the, the famous quote that comes to mind uh, is for those who, who remembered the X-Files back in the, uh, the late nineties, um, there was the shadow man who was, who was kind of a mentor to Fox Mulder, the, the lead, one of the lead characters, you know, trust no one, Mr. Mulder. And it's very much the case here. If you're going to be using encryption, use your own keys. So point number eight, point number eight, uh, ensure rotation for customer created CMKs is enabled. So if you're going to be using your own keys, make sure you rotate them. This is, again, just a good practice. It doesn't matter if this is going to be for CloudTrail, if this is going to be for CloudWatch, if this is going to be for S3. It doesn't matter what it is, even if it's in your own personal application. You want to rotate your keys fairly regularly. So the rotation schedule that's recommended by the benchmark is annually. And the whole notion behind rotating your keys is that it does give you this ability to reduce your risk of compromise. If you do have a key that is compromised, it will only be for the data that was used for that or encrypted with that key, not necessarily any future data or any data prior to that key uh, being compromised. So the other thing that you need to keep in mind is key rotation does not prevent you from decrypting older data uh, simply because 
Amazon will actually keep some of the older keys. Well, not some, they will keep all the older keys in their KMS, allowing you to have some historic records and be able to decrypt and view the older uh, logs and data and whatever else that the key may be using. So if you want more information, I would actually recommend this is some pretty heavy reading, but it's definitely worth exploring, especially if you want to make sure that your data is not compromised and you want a deeper understanding of how Amazon handles their key management system, as well as uh, customer managed keys, client managed keys. Just take a look at the AWS documentation for that. And with that, we are done section two. Moving on to section three, which is a bit of a longer section, uh, simply because there's a lot more, more to it. We have monitoring. Section three is monitoring. So in order to achieve the monitoring here, you want to make sure that CloudTrail logs are enabled and you've got that integrated with the CloudWatch logs so you can alert on a lot of these things. So again, this is this is something that was brought up in the earlier section or in one of the earlier points in section two um, in making sure that you have CloudWatch uh, logs turned on and it's integrated uh, or rather that CloudTrail is integrated into it. So get that done before you start moving into uh, section three for monitoring. Section three, section point one is ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for unauthorized API calls. So this is, this is useful for two reasons. Uh, first and foremost, you want to ensure that you're going to be detecting malicious activity. And secondly, which is a much more useful, not useful, but common occurrence is it'll help you identify any potential uh, misconfigured applications, or maybe you're more likely adding a new feature and you just didn't realize that you didn't have access to a particular API. So having uh, filters and alarms for these particular conditions can really help speed up that debugging process and figuring out what's going wrong, as well as identifying early on if you do have an application that is trying to make, uh, make calls to your infrastructure through Amazon API uh, calls that you weren't expecting and obviously allow you to dig in and, and identify if there is a threat or not. So section 3.2, ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for management console sign-in without multi-factor authentication. In the previous podcast, uh, we had talked about limiting API access through IAM uh, policy so that unless someone has logged in with an MFA token, they wouldn't be able to do anything ensuring that you have an alarm set in addition to that is definitely worth um, worth doing and it will help you catch the potential situations when either a you've set up a user and they haven't set up their mfa token and then they start calling you and complaining well why can't i do anything obviously you'll you'll get notice that well, you haven't set up your MFA token yet. I can see that because you're trying to log in. You didn't use an MFA token. So obviously you're not going to have access to everything else. But more importantly, if you do have a malicious agent coming in 
and tries to access your or maybe they set up by some means a new account without setting a MFA token they may not even realize that an MFA token is required in order to access anything due to your IAM policy this alarm will at least give you that insight and in saying oh hey hold on there's somebody who just tried to access the management console without an MFA token this isn't normal we haven't added any users recently what's going on so this is uh, definitely one that you want to you want to add section 3.3 ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for usage of a root account please 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 do not use your root account credentials for signing into the management console unless you absolutely have to you should be setting up separate accounts for people and using those accounts for your day-to-day -day activities the root account credentials should be used only in exceptional circumstances and any use of them should actually generate an alarm um, this way should those credentials ever be compromised you will know about it much much sooner than later you should definitely should not be signing in with the root account credentials every single time that's just not good policy it's not good practice and that's just just avoid it section 3.4 uh, ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for iam policy changes this is a good one because a lot of the iam policy work that you're going to be doing you're going to be doing a lot of investment up front you're going to be working on getting these policies set up and for the most part not always but for the most part you're not going to change them there will be some times when you will have to make a change because there will be uh, new features that you want to enable new functionality you want to use and so on but for the most part that should be documented and controlled and expected it's not something that you'd be doing every day for example that should be coming in through a well-defined well understood process and anything outside of that norm should definitely be uh, monitored and alerted on so if the alarm does go off and you know that it's part of the change process that's fine better to have it than not section 3.5 ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for CloudTrail configuration changes so again very similar to the IAM policy changes if something changes with the CloudTrail configuration you want to hear about it CloudTrail once it's set up is not something you should ever have to modify and any changes to that configuration should definitely trigger some sort of alert uh, that warrants further investigation Point six is ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for AWS Management Console authentication failures. So on most systems, you will be monitoring for login failures. And oftentimes you have an alarm that says, all right, if you have three failed login attempts after within five minutes of each other, or within a five minute time period uh, trigger an alert uh, this is kind of taking it to the Amazon console level and logging those types of uh, events so if someone is trying to log into your uh, management console and they have not been able to uh, log in because of failed credentials you are monitoring for that
So you, you can set up the filter and you can set up the alarm. You should be filtering for everything. Obviously, you should be logging any sort of authentication failure, but maybe your alarm will be maybe two failed login attempts within 30 seconds or, or something along those lines or within five minutes. Um, because obviously some, there will be times when people will forget their password. They're not using a password manager and you don't necessarily want to be alerted every single time. But then again, it depends on how many people you have who have access to that console. So if you only have a handful of users and you're not expecting them to fat finger the password every time they log in, maybe even a single authentication failure is worth investigating. So definitely something you want to, to enable though, just as, as a general good, uh, good practice. Point number seven, ensure a log metric filter and alarm exist for disabling or scheduled deletion of customer uh, created CMKs. So if you are going to be using uh, client managed keys, then you definitely want to make sure that people are not disabling or scheduling for deletion any of those keys. This can be uh, either intentional uh, with malicious intent, I should say, where you have a, uh, an external party that is trying to gain access to your system and maybe wants to be destructive and simply remove a set of keys or replace a key with one of their own. But the uh, more likely scenario is you're going to have a new Amazon admin who's going to come in and say, oh, we have a whole bunch of old keys here. Let me just get rid of them or I'll disable them or delete them. And obviously we don't need them anymore. This is a security threat. Uh, let's, let's make them disappear. The reality is if you disable or delete one of the previous uh, keys that you have, you will lose the ability to gain access to the data that was stored using that key. So again, if the concern is that you don't want to have old keys lying around because you don't want people to, for some unknown reason, uh, gain access to old data that you don't want them to see anymore. Um, just be aware that while this may be true, maybe that data has aged out. Maybe you've decided that after X number of months, that data can be removed from the system and any keys associated with that can be deleted. That's an acceptable a situation where you simply don't have that data anymore and those keys don't make any sense and you just don't want them to be around, uh, then by all means go ahead. But again, that should be the exception, not the rule. And if you do have any potential for any old data that maybe have may have been encrypted by those keys, you want to keep those keys around. Point number eight, Ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for S3 bucket policy changes. So again, this is a common theme that we're going to start seeing uh, in this section here for monitoring. Basically, it can be summed up as if you have some sort of policy, some sort of rule, some sort of configuration that you have made that shouldn't change, you should have an alarm set for it so that when it does change, you're alerted to that situation. And a lot of these points here are essentially talking about 
very specific um, configurations or areas of concern that you want to monitor for these types of changes. So you don't want anyone changing anything here for S3 bucket policies. Point nine is along the same lines. It's ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for AWS config configuration changes. Same as the S3, same as the uh, CloudTrail configuration changes, uh, same as you know pretty much any any sensitive area that you want to monitor uh, IAM policies as well. You want to make sure none of this is being. Um, modified or changed without someone being made aware of it. And this will help for anywhere from external threats to internal threats, perhaps a rogue admin or a disgruntled employee who happens to have access um, and or even just people making honest mistakes. Maybe they thought that they were in a different uh, different role, they were in a different account and were making changes and they thought they were non-prod but they were in prod. Uh, nonetheless, you want to keep track of all these types of changes regardless of the environment. Section 3.10, uh, ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for security group changes. This one is um, probably the out of all of these, this one might be the one that you run into most often, especially early on as you're feeling out what your network requirements are and whatnot. But again, very similar to the others, once this policy is set, once you have your security groups defined, you, you know what your network traffic is going to be looking like, you know what your firewall rules are, you shouldn't be changing them willy-nilly in any changes you do want to have uh, have an alarm, uh, notify an admin and, and letting them know that there has been a change. Section 3.11, ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for changes to network access control lists or NACLs. So NACLs are for VPCs and they're stateless. Uh, for the most part, people don't use, well, I shouldn't say that. For the most part, they're not as commonly used as say, uh, a security group where it is uh, stateful. So it will monitor and if an, if an outbound connection from your EC2 instance, for example, is making a call out to um, an external website for um, operating system updates, then it will, the security group will maintain that connection and understand that yes, this is allowed and uh, all as well, whereas a NACL is a stateless kind of, I view it as the sledgehammer of uh, firewalls for determining what traffic is allowed to flow in and out of your VPC. So, but similar to the others, you want to monitor and be made aware of any changes made to those uh, network access control lists, even if you don't use them. Because again, this may be uh, an avenue for a misconfiguration that's an honest mistake or an external threat that's coming in and just trying to mess with your environment in some way or perhaps exposing a path or route that uh, some software they have installed needs to take and they want to ensure that it's going to work. Section 3.12, ensure a log metric filter and alarm exist for changes to network gateways. So you want to know where your data is allowed to go and make sure that these paths are well controlled and monitored. 
section 12 section 3.13 or section 3.13 ensure a log metric filter and alarm exists for route table changes so again you want to make sure that the pathing within your own vpc makes sense which uh, components do you have are should be considered private and internal with no external visibility from the internet make sure those stay behind a NAT gateway and likewise make sure that uh, anything that is public should be public because it's it's being routed through an internet gateway as well as any sort of internal communication that you want to have you know route tables can be uh, as simple or as complicated as you want them to be and obviously if you've got a very complicated route table setup you don't want to make any accidental changes that may impact your um, your routing and your your network traffic flow section 3.14 ensure a log metric filter and alarm exist for vpc changes so having multiple vpcs is not uncommon so keeping track of any changes to those vpcs including setting up peering connections between vpcs is definitely recommended so you don't want again as with everything else you just want to be made aware when you have any sort of sensitive information any sort of uh, system configurations you don't want those changed without having some sort of audit and alert related to them finally in section 3.15 ensure appropriate subscribers uh, to each sns topic so this one is part of, this should be part of a of a standard uh, review of your configurations if you're going to be doing any sort of alerting you obviously want to make sure that people are the appropriate people are being notified you want to make sure no one's being missed you want to make sure that any uh, sort of recipients who are no longer with the organization are not there obviously you should have other policies and procedures in place to prevent that but nonetheless this is something you want to add to your to your regular audits and reviews of your amazon infrastructure to make sure that any topics that you have any sns topics um, and sns is their simple notification service which is normally what you use for alerting via email and whatnot um, you want to make sure that the recipients that you've defined are actually valid and, and appropriate. And that takes care of section three. Moving on, we'll get to section four. Section four is not quite as long as the previous two sections. Uh, section four is related to networking, and this is specific to VPC network setup within AWS. So some of these, if you are managed if by some grace, you managed to stay on EC2 Classic, some of these are still relevant, some may not be. Uh, but nonetheless, if you are on EC2 Classic, I would strongly recommend you moving over to VPC infrastructure if you can, just because it's, it is, gives you a lot more control. It is a little more complicated to set up, but in all honesty, it's definitely something you want to, uh, want to explore just because of the various advantages that uh, that you have in a VPC environment. And so section 4.1 uh, ensure no secured groups allow ingress from 0.0.0.0 slash .0, .0, 0 to point, port 22. This is uh, SSH access to Linux hosts and essentially they're saying make sure that your default uh, 
or any security group, not just default security groups, but any security group does not allow carte blanche access from any source to port 22. Uh, this will avoid brute force attacks, denial of service attacks, and so on and so forth to that, uh, that port. If you do have people that need access to port 22, uh, then obviously you should try to whitelist those individual IPs. If you're using something like a, like a jump box or a bastion box that you need to have uh, public access, then just switch the port. Don't use port 22. Uh, avoid those script kiddies, those basic scanners, people looking for uh, port 22 being open and then trying to hammer the machine to access it. Section 4.2 uh, is similar to point one, except this one is for port 3389, which is the RDP port uh, for Windows hosts. So Windows uh, servers, this is, this is for you. Section 4.3, ensure VPC flow logging is enabled in all VPCs. Now, the first time I read this, I nearly lost it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know how much data flows through flow logs uh, you will exhaust your budget within a day if you enable this on a moderately uh, busy site you will get terabytes of data very very quickly uh, if you have any sort of moderate traffic and a fair number of servers but that's not what they're saying here they're not saying enable vpc flow logging for all traffic but rather just the rejected packets uh, this will still be fairly busy, but not as busy. And it's definitely something you want to keep um, because it will help you in terms of any sort of forensic analysis that you want to do, as well as in the case where you're setting up new functionality, maybe some new network calls and something's not going right. Uh, being able to see the rejected packets and seeing what that traffic flow is like will actually help you identify what are the ports, what are the uh, servers, what are the routes that I need to add, and so on and so forth. So that will definitely be, be of advantage. And no one is saying that you need to keep this forever. Again, it depends on your own internal policies and maybe uh, depending on the type of compliance frameworks you, you fall under. Um, but just recording rejected traffic is useful, I would say, uh, and definitely something you want to look into. Section 4.4, ensure the default security group of every VPC restricts all traffic outbound, or restricts all traffic, sorry. The default security groups for VPC will deny all inbound traffic, allow all outbound traffic, as well as allow all traffic between peers within the VPC. So uh, basically any subnets that you have, uh, any communication uh, across the entire sitter block for your VPC by default will be allowed. So generally what I do is I just remove everything. Uh, there's no access, there's no ingress, no egress, uh, no, no traffic allowed anywhere with the, with the default security group. Uh, I have explicit security groups for every class of server that I have or every, every class of um, server type. 
making sure that I have complete control over everything and 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 at a glance can tell what's going on. So I re that's that's kind of my recommendation as far as how you want to uh, make things uh, a bit better. You have to keep in mind that when you're bringing up a new server, unless you've specified a security group, the default group is what's going to be used. So if you are bringing up a server, you don't know what, what security group you want to put it in, um, or perhaps you don't know what the security groups are, then the default security group is the one that will spin up or sort of be selected for that spun up instance. And that having that essentially have unfettered access to every other machine on your VPC's uh, network may not be what you want, especially if you're not the one spinning up that server. So limiting that is definitely uh, in your best interests as well. And then finally, section 4.5, ensure routing tables for VPC peering are least access. This is essentially following the, the standard guidelines for most uh, security policies and procedures is you want least access uh, privilege. You, you only want to provide access if it's absolutely necessary and denied by default. So in VPC peering, if you're going to have multiple VPCs and you want to be able to have one uh, VPC and its machines being able to access another VPC and its machines, you want to be able to, you do want to limit what access that is. You don't want to let every machine on one VPC talk to every machine on another VPC. If you're doing peering, there's probably a reason why. And if you have a reason why, you should be able to identify uh, what machines need to speak to what other machine, and you can go from there. And that is it. Uh, that covers the uh, CIS AWS Foundations Benchmark. Uh, it's a fairly long and detailed benchmark, but it's definitely worth it. There's a good mix of manual setup and some items here that can be automated as well, uh, because chances are you may need to do these more than once. Um, so in the future, we'll be talking about automation tools like CloudFormation and uh, Terraform and even Scepter is another one, uh, albeit it's uh, not quite the same as uh, something more drastic like Terraform, but still, those are topics for a future, future podcast. Um, in this particular, these last two podcasts, we've been talking about this benchmark. Definitely take a look at it. If you have any servers or if you're using Amazon take a look at this benchmark. Just do yourself a favor and go back. Even if you already have your system set up, go back and take a look at how many of these things did you implement? Uh, how many of these will you implement? I would recommend you implement pretty much everything. I don't think that there's anything in this list per se that shouldn't be done. Um, I think there are certain things that are more critical than others. I think that um, in general, everything should be set up. And for a lot of these things, you set them up once, right? 
you don't necessarily have to go in. These are not things you're going to have to do every day, every week, every month. These are things that you will set up once, you'll have the alarms set up and you're done. Um, if you are a young startup and you're coming in and you're trying to set things up and you start landing these larger customers and they're going to start asking you some pretty hard questions. Well, how do we know that you've configured yourself properly? You can point to the fact that you've gone through this checklist and you can provide your own internal audits and saying under NDA, of course, look, we've gone through this whole list. Here's everything that we have done. If there's something we haven't done or you haven't done, you can explain why that hasn't happened. But uh, it might be maybe you're just not using that technology or um, or whatever. But you you at least have something that'll that'll get you that that security posturing that you're looking for. So there are tools obviously that will help you check against this benchmark. Some of them are free, some of them are paid. So things like the AWS Trusted Advisor, AWS Inspector. Um, Threat stack. These are not necessarily free. I think Inspector might be free. I know Trusted Advisor has a free tier and then a, a more expensive uh, paid tier, uh, depending on the features that you want. Um, there's other open source projects: Netflix Security Monkey, uh, Scout Two. These are other um, frameworks and utilities and tools that you can use to check your compliance with these. Uh, with this uh, benchmark and definitely worth exploring that's for sure so in the future we will be looking at some of these tools and a whole lot more like we're going to be looking at uh, automation is going to be coming up pretty quickly because I think when it comes to the cloud obviously one of the things that you want to do is is be able to bring up and take down servers fairly quickly um, while you can do that manually and you can write yourself a couple of small scripts to do it, there are actually some really good, good tools out there uh, to assist with that. And with a little massaging, um, you can use them to help your security posture as well. So that'll be another interesting topic that we'll have. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, as always, you can reach us on the website. Uh, it is myheadinthe.cloud. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at John's Not Here. On Facebook, you can find the podcast. We've got a Facebook fan page, uh, facebook.com slash myheadinthecloud. I'm on Peerlist. I'm on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. And uh, by all means, you know, reach out. Let me know what you think. Uh, let me know if there's any topics you'd like to cover. If there's something that you're curious about with cloud security, by all means, let me know. I mean, we'll dedicate a topic to it. If you're interested in coming on the podcast, talking about an interesting project that you've had, horror stories that you've had, you know, things you wish you would have known, that sort of thing, by all means, let me know. Uh, we can we can definitely work to make that happen as well. And with that, I uh, hope you all have a great week and by all means, stay safe and we will talk to you next time.